You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. I think with the way my approach to vocals being that it's death metal and I'm not your stock standard death metal singer, people either love it or they fucking hate it, you know, and, and I'm I'm cool with that. Um, I think my voice is unique in the sort of death metal environment and I think, yeah, I don't give a shit if people don't like it because it's different. It's what I do. It's what I like doing. The guys in the band, they love the way it sounds and fuck it. That's just what how we how we approach it and yeah like i say love it or hate it it's that's what it is <laughs> hey what's up vox and hops heads i'm matt the vocalist of cryptopsy and the host of the vox and hops metal podcast brought to you by sound telemedia and evergreen podcast where i sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives music and craft beer how have you been it's been quite a while i took a few weeks off i enjoyed the month of august i sincerely had a blast we just wrapped up heavy montreal presents vox and hops brutal montreal 2022 which was featuring dsi cataclysm in human condition and undeath man it was just such a killer night the other night i could just live there forever massive thanks to jf michaud and the heavy montreal and Eventco crew for making this reality huge thanks to chloe and the rest of the corona theater staff huge props to my friend paul zanay Vox and Hops alumni and a longtime friend for running production on the show and huge, huge props to all the breweries that are involved, but especially to La Pazicaire, Overhop Canada, BG Brasserie Urbaine and Le Fermentor for making custom brews for the event. It was just so much fun. I can't wait to do it again. This episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. They are Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of killer gigs such as Brutal Montreal and a bunch of others all year long. It is such a pleasure to have them behind the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. I can't love them enough. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves extreme metal, that loves metal music in general, well, make sure to tell them that the Vox and Hops Metal podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 350 episodes where I sit down with the world's best metal musicians, and we talk all about their lives and music while sharing a craft beer. If you would encourage one of your friends to become a brand new Vox and Hopshead, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very, very stoked to finally be with someone that helped inspire the podcast. I am so stoked to be with Jason Pepiat of Psychroptic. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 363. <laughs> I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Jason Pepiot of Psychroptic. Jason, I've known you for fucking ever. We, we, you were on my first U.S. tour with me, and we bonded, and we were friends, and then you went home for the birth of your child, and you just made it, and we've toured together again in Europe. Uh, let's start with a simple, how are you doing? I'm going really good. I'm uh, I'm. Glad that the whole COVID-19 fucking locking everyone up at home thing is pretty much over and we can get back to work. It feels good. <laughs> it feels, it's like it's like we're turning the corner and the sun is rising and we're finally allowed to do what the other thing that we're supposed to do, aside from being a father and hustling in a day job. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's like the big, uh, you know, it's like 
the pause button was hit for like two and a half, three years, and now we get to hit play and we get to go out and have fun again. Mm. Back to back, back to it, back to it. Shittiest question, the question that most of us like to start off with. Uh, how have you been coping with these glorious years, plural, of 2020, 2021, <laughs> half of 2022, hopefully not the rest of 2022, and hopefully not 2023? I've been, I've been doing really good. So in Tasmania, we didn't have COVID-19 really until like January this year. Really? Very cool. Because uh, we're on an island, we basically closed the island up and said no one comes in, no one goes out and you can live normally. You just can't leave. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously there was no touring and no shows going on anywhere in the world. So it was like, well, we're not missing out there. But it just meant, you know, me and Joe were working in the studio a lot together Um I could still see my friends. I could fucking leave the house. I could go to work. So, I don't know. Life was, I think, as good as it possibly could have been. I think we had it a lot better than at least the rest of Australia, probably a lot better than a lot of the world. Absolutely. I spoke to Sam from Werewolves, who's um, ah. in, in, sort of in bed with, with the Haley's, as, as most Australian metal musicians end up finding themselves <laughs> eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you, that is very interesting that the Tasmania being an island, uh, it's keeps everything tight and it ended up being like a crazy positive thing for, for normal life during a pandemic. Yeah. Like down here, I mean, you, it's a fucking great place to be trapped, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's beautiful. I don't know if you can see, hang on, I'm going to try and show you my view right now. Oh my God. Wow. It's gorgeous. Beautiful water. It's a beautiful day. You're in the future. I love speaking to people. We always do typically do my interviews uh, at night because I have a day job Yeah, and uh, it's always cool to talk to people in Tomorrowland. Uh, I always think that's, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's funny, but it's, it's probably not. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How is tomorrow? No. <laughs> Should I wake up? Um, <laughs> You're right. History, Matt. Um, <laughs> Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. It is tomorrow morning for you, so you will not be drinking a craft beer in your car with me right now. Um, I will be, and I have a very cool one. What are you drinking there? What, what are we going to be sharing virtually right now? I'm on a, I'm on a latte. <laughs> so uh, one, one of my work colleagues just went down and got some coffees and then i realized as soon as he brought it back i was like shit i gotta run off to my car and do this interview <laughs> so i got my drink though so i'm happy i appreciate you taking the time having a chat with me uh definitely not while you're working i have a, a very cool beer collab that i just released four of them actually it's called vertical and uh, a vertical basically is when you take um a particular beer over vintages of many years so you can have a 2015 2016 and then you drink them in a row so that you can see what these subtle differences that age brings to a wine to a beer that is a typical vertical i came up with this project where i uh i wanted to know what abv would do to a beer so i created i, I hooked up with four breweries with a fellow podcaster we got a coffee roaster we got a distribution thing involved in this it's a massive project many many people involved so basically it's a coffee stout 
they found one recipe, the exact same coffee from Cafe Pista, and then they went and just augmented the ABV, the alcohol content, in each beer. So we have a 3.9%, a 6%, an 8%, and a 12%. And that is what Vertical basically is. Shout out to everyone that's involved. Um, of course, uh, Bucket that distributed the whole packs and put them together, Le Cat Pack uh, from the IPA podcast, and all the breweries, Echo Session Ales that did the 3.9%. There is Kanawaki that did the, the 6%. There's Shacklehop that did the 8%. And then there's Boragao that did the 11%. Uh, so I want you to choose which beer should I drink with you tonight. You choose the percentage. Number one through four, should I go low? Should I go high? It's up to you, Jason. Go high. Yeah, so we're going to number four, 11% sacrifice. <laughs> And the artwork is super sick, too, of course. Uh, Emeruso art. I went to uh, my friend during the pandemic started uh, painting. So I went to her um, exhibit uh, and I walked into the room where my friend was exposing and I saw these crazy like paint splatter things on the wall. This is not my friend's artwork. It's I fell in love with someone else's artwork at my friend's exhibit. So I took a card <laughs> and here we are about a year later and I put her stuff oh, on a beer can because I just I loved it so much. So this is um, 11% coffee stout, cafe pista, which is a very cool coffee roaster here in Montreal. I'm going to crack this. I would love to hear about the very first beer that you ever drank. Do you remember the first beer that you ever had, Jason? I would have been young. It would have been it would have been a variety of beer called Cascade Draft, which was kind of – we had basically two breweries in Tasmania for the longest time. There was one that was Cascade, which is in Hobart, and another one called Bogues, which is in Launceston, which is sort of halfway up the island. So Hobart's on the bottom, southern end of the island, and then, yeah, Launceston on the north. So I would have, it would have definitely been a Cascade Draft, I'm pretty certain. I, I can't remember the time. I, I'm certain I would have been young. I was one of those silly little fuckwits that was drinking it at a young age. And, Is that something that happens and, in Tasmania? I guess it happens all across Australia. Is it the same? But I know that the the culture of Australia is very um, go out and grab a pint and get rowdy with your friends from speaking to other yeah. Australians. Well, it, it it's probably, I think the whole thing with that's shifting a lot now. I think the younger generation is more inclined to not get so rowdy but to get, like, I think there's quite a, a craft beer scene down here now and, you know, the people are more inclined to just taste a couple or, you know, go for a coffee or something like that. It's It doesn't seem to be as nuts as what it was when I was a kid anymore. <laughs> it's because they're more refined than us, Jason. We're, we would just go out into the woods and get drunk. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I grew up. Um, you know, working on building sites and that from, from age about 16, 15, 16. And, you know, construction workers were always fucking hard drinking, tough people, you know, and, and you know, I, I kind of got caught up in all that a little bit. And and then I think when I made it to my, my mid-20s, I was kind of like, oh, my God, my body can't handle this shit anymore. <laughs> the maturity. <laughs> it was probably, it was after that, that, First US tour we did with with Cryptopsy, I think. You know, it's all the natty lights. Man, I fuck. Remember me and Cam were just going wild on that tour. <laughs> Cam, our old bass player, that is. And <laughs> but I, I left that tour to go home for the birth of my daughter, mm-hmm. and she's actually turned fourteen just the other day. <laughs> and That's crazy. 
I think that's probably the point where I actually did settle down a bit. See, you did the right thing. You went home for the birth of your child, and we kept going and drinking the whole tour. And then yeah. I've you know, started a craft beer podcast to keep me nice, nicely lubricated. Uh, I know, I know that Melbourne has a vibrant craft beer scene. Is there a craft beer scene that has come into Tasmania? Uh, is it something that that has trickled through? I think it has. We've got in Tasmania. It's very much a I don't know what you'd call it, like a, an artisan sort of thing. You know, there's a lot of produce and ciders and wines and you know gourmet seafoods and it's it's got a really unique climate for um for growing grapes and you know fruit and vegetables and all that sort of stuff the the temperate um waters and stuff i mean there's a lot of salmon farming and and that so i think the craft beer i think is starting to you know kick off down here but i think you know, over the next few years, it's something I can see really taking off because it's really, it's becoming a really sort of popular foodie, trendy sort of destination for, for tourists to come down here, which is crazy because, you know, growing up down here, everyone thought Tasmania was like a fucking totally backwards place. You know, it's like, oh, everyone's banging their sisters and stuff like that down there. And now we're, now everyone thinks we're like, you know, this really contemporary sort of place it's fucking weird <laughs> it's cool though <laughs> it's good for you we'll see how many, i don't know how you, if you enjoy the tourists coming and 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 infiltrating your your little slice of paradise yeah and that's that's the thing like we get so many more tourists and stuff down here now there's a i don't know you might have heard of it there's a festival that they have down here in tasmania so we, we've got well long story short there's this eccentric um, multi-millionaire or billionaire who lives down here and he's right into like fucked up artwork and evil shit and stuff like that and his museum's called Mona and he runs this festival which basically takes over the whole city and it's really? called Dark Mo. They, they have like in the middle of the city of Hobart there's like giant inverted crosses lit up in the street wow. and, you know all sorts of crazy shit going on it's you know, celebrating the occult and all sorts of shit. That's it's it's pretty crazy, and and you know all that sort of stuff's happening. That happens down here in winter, which was like a few weeks ago. And man, you should see the whole city in winter down here. It used to be dead, it'd just go into hibernation mode. But then since since that festival's come, because it goes for a few weeks and it takes over the whole city, it's basically in winter now. The whole city of Hobart just bounces to life it's fucking crazy that's super interesting and you should definitely like steal some of those inverted crosses and bring them on stage <laughs> and right, i was more thinking like, one is my letterbox or something like that to keep pesky christians away but that's another story <laughs> uh this vertical it pours out dark omnius it had a nice little head but it settled a little bit booze on the nose with a slight coffee tinge it's very dark. Mm -hmm. Nice roasted malts. It's got that boozy bite. The coffee's very subtle. Um, killer. Crazy project. Lots of work. I'm uh, happy it's out. <laughs> You've been a busy boy, Matt. I have, and I, I do, and I've been wanting to say it. I 
at the point this is coming out, this is probably over 360 Vox and Hops episodes. And it all sort of stems down to a conversation. I don't know if you remember this conversation. I do. Sitting up on the structure at Brutal Assault, the 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 castle walls, the, the fortress walls where we were not supposed to be. And we're watching Cradle of Fields. Exactly. And, and we had a conversation. And you go, you always find this way to ask questions that really get into my head that make me think. And when I was thinking of starting the podcast, that's a moment that really gave me confidence that I could do this. <laughs> wow. And, and I'm not joking. <laughs> this is years Crazy. ago. So so thank you for... for because I was nervous at first. Good, good, good thing we, we snuck up on the wall there. I totally, yeah, I do totally remember that. And it was with uh, Sammy, our, the guy that was filling in on bass for us at the time. I think it was me, him, you, and Flo, maybe. Mm-hmm. And Mega was up there too, our sound man too, of course. That's right, yeah. Yes, love him. Yeah, but, and I, I, I remember it was Cradle of Filth we were watching. <laughs> yes, I totally <laughs> I remember. I think about it, yeah. Yeah, wow. I totally remember that. So thank you. I would love to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardians' house. What music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Uh, my dad used to listen to a lot of uh, classic Aussie rock bands like ACDC, Cold Chisel, Midnight Oil. So it was it was pretty much all that um, classic Aussie rock, really. John Farnham was a big one. I don't know. He was massive out here i don't know if he really got that big outside of australia but he was like i mean he's still got this godly voice but in his younger days he had this big long blonde mullet and you know it was it was good (laughs) joe joe haley still he still absolutely worships him to this day anything joe's into i'm into uh one of the most underrated extreme metal guitarist out there i say it all the time whenever i can i say that because i truly do believe that uh hail the oh, haley's love them to death uh i would love to hear uh, about your first show do you remember your first live music experience i think the first one i would have gone to would have been fagazi and it was this this tiny little sort of diy setup here in hobart um i would have been maybe 14 or 15 years old so it was Fugazi and a bunch of um, other local Hobart bands. And it was because a mate of mine somehow got tickets to it. And, yeah, like back then, I don't think there was a bar there, so I don't think there was a, an age restriction or anything like that. But I remember it was fucking wild. There was only like 50 people there in this tiny room, and it was nuts. I can't believe they went to Tasmania. Yeah, well, they've always been that sort of DIY band. I mean, this would have been going back. Ooh, 25 years. I can't believe that. That's so cool. That's so cool. More bands. More bands do that. Go out, go yeah. out, and go where people don't go so that more people like Jason can get exposed to, to exactly. music at, at a 14-year-old age at an all, you know, do-it-yourself, do all-ages venue. I love that. Now, now the your time on stage. Do you remember your first show? My first show would have been with band I played in with Cam, our original bass player. So he was on guitar. I was on vocals. It was called Magoria. And I think, so we, we were in high school or like college, which is like grade 11 together. And our music teacher actually teed us up 
to play at an indoor skate park thing in this giant shed. And I think we got paid like a hundred bucks. Getting paid your first show. Look at you. That doesn't happen. Oh, no. I still don't get paid that much now. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it was, I, I remember, I actually remember it quite clearly. I mean, I was only young. Fuck, I would have been probably 15. And I remember playing, there wasn't a very good, uh, set up with the monitors and stuff like that. Obviously, it was just, you know, a bit of a sort of DIY at this skate park thing. But it was in this huge shed, so the echo and, and stuff like that just it just bouncing back at us and we couldn't hear what the fuck was going on. We were just kids, you know, like now you'd be able to deal with it because, you know, fucking 20-odd years experience, you're like, well, fuck, we'll just go on autopilot and trust mm-hmm. that I'm doing and to be doing. But back then, you're just kind of like, what the fuck? I don't know what's happening. There's all this echo, and, you know. And I remember freaking out, just going, oh, "Fuck, this is this is nuts." But yeah, that would have been my first experience. We, we bonded so very much on that um, summer slaughter tour because, well, I definitely I was I latched onto. I was like, "This guy replaced a singer. I replaced a singer. All of yeah. my all of my insecurities. I'm going to ask him every question about how he feels about being on stage and how he was accepted." So, so uh, <laughs> discovering your voice, getting your voice. Do 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 you remember all that moments, um, that skate park, that that I'm sure that moment of oh my god, I suck. This mentality that that we bonded over is it still something there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's it's a funny one that you bring up the whole that we're like both replacement vocalists. I mean, I'm still the the new guy in Cycroptic or the new singer in. I've been there fucking 18 years. Like, Chuck, the original guy, I think he was there in the band for like four years. So, and, it's, and, I, and, and I still see like funny comments or like you, like when we put out a new clip or something like that on YouTube, and they'll be like, Chalky was better. Bring back Chalky. It's like, I, dude, I don't think that's going to fucking happen after all these years. You know? 18 uh, fucking years has passed. <laughs> totally. I, I get it all the time, too. Mm. Oh, you, you'd get it with. Because you've got multiple people before you got Lord Worm and Mike DeSalvio, so you'd 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 have all sorts of fucking hilarious comments to look through, wouldn't you? They're they're never happy, but that, that, I'm okay with that now. I'm okay with that. I, I, it took me 15 years to be okay with it, but I'm okay now. <laughs> that, and that's that's the thing. Like my first few years at it, I was kind of like, "Fuck, man, why why can't people just accept me?" You know, <laughs> you'd be like, "I work so hard at this shit," and. You know, you just hit that point where you're just like, you know, I don't give a fuck, you know. I just, I read the funny comments and I laugh and I just, you know, when I see the bring back Chalky one, it's just like, man, Chalky's cool. Like, I like the dude. He's, uh, I see, we we live in the same town. We bump into each other, but it's like, he's never going to be coming back. <laughs> it's so cryptic, you know. So, yeah, it's just funny. And you, you got to just take it with a grain of salt, I think, no matter, you know, how good you are or what you do or whatever there's there's as an artist as a musician there's always going to be people that fucking hate you and you just need i think you just need to accept that i think it's it's a key part to being a musician or an artist that you have to get over that yeah yeah like not everybody's gonna like your shit it doesn't matter how good you are how big your band is or how successful you are there's People are going to fucking hate what you do and they're going to be very vocal and very nasty about it on the internet. Like friends of mine, they'll, they'll be like, man, I saw comments and these guys were really being <laughs> arsehole to you, you know, and reckoning you fucking suck and stuff, you know. 
does that make you feel? It's like, ah, just fucking laugh at it, you know? Fuck it. We have to. What have these guys what have these guys done? Have they toured the world? I've been touring the world for eighteen years. I'm pretty confident with what I do. <laughs> there has been an evolution. It's continued on Divine Council. Divine Council came out August 5th via EVP. Uh, it's a banger. And I, I've been a fan since, you know, before we did Summer Slaughter together. So to, to watch the evolution of what you have brought to Psychroptic is something that I enjoy greatly. Uh, the more melodic approach to screaming, uh, the phrasing, the, the, the giving a character a breath to the music. It's important to me, and I think that you really do tackle that well. So so an evolution as an artist is important as well, and that's something you've brought into the band for sure. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I and that's that's the thing I really love about working in Psychroptic with, with Dave and Joe. You know, Joe's Joe's an amazing talent. Like, to, his actual skill on playing guitar is it's amazing. But as a creative as well. I mean, that's, that to me is what really gets me about Joe Haley's genius. You know, his writing and the way he, he composes music and puts it together. And, and he's very much one of those people. He doesn't like to do the same thing over and over. Like he's got a unique style of, of riffing. You can, you can hear a riff and go, Joe Haley wrote that. It's true. Know, it's, and not it's, many it's guitarists just, can yeah. do that. Yeah. He's a very distinct player, but he, it's always changing and structures like, there's so much focus on like big epic choruses now and stuff like that. And it's, it's just so nice to be working with a bunch of guys that are always wanting to move in the same direction, which it makes my job a lot easier too. And, you know, they're, they're encouraging for, for me to try new things and, and take risks, you know? And I mean, I remember back when, like we did observe and, and I was sort of dipping my toes into really changing my vocal styles to sort of going from the, you know, standard cookie monster style stuff to sort of a more old school thrash, hardcore, whatever you want to call it, whatever the sort of style I blended into. I was kind of like, I really want to try, you know, shift this into this sort of style. And the, the guys were like, fucking do it, you know, stand out if it's important to stand out exactly i think with the way my approach to vocals being that it's death metal and i'm not your stock standard death metal singer people either love it or they fucking hate it you know and and i'm i'm cool with that um i think my voice is unique in the sort of death metal environment and i think yeah i don't give a shit if people don't like it because it's different. It's what I do. It's what I like doing. The guys in the band, they love the way it sounds and fuck it. That's just what how we how we approach it. And yeah, like I say, love it or hate it, it's that's what it is. <laughs> it's you. It's you. And I remember sitting yeah. up once again up on those barrack walls at Brutal you telling me about how on this new record I put like cleans, like clean screams behind yeah. everything you had told me just about on like like wide, panned wide on each side. And then yeah. on the next record, which was As the Kingdom Drowns, you invited Amy yeah. to come do basically almost the same thing, but with a way more clean voice. Yeah, it was the same. Using Amy was, it was more, it was very much the same approach as to how I did it on the self-titled album. But the thing was on the self-titled album, as an actual clean singer, I wasn't very confident. So it, it took a long time. It took a long time to just 
to feel comfortable in front of a mic doing what I was doing. And it got to the point where when we were doing As the Kingdom Drowns, I really wanted the same sort of thing, but even, you know, those clean vocals brought to the forefront a lot more in, in the choruses and stuff. And I just wasn't confident with my ability for it. And I was talking to Joe's wife, Amy, and I said to her, how would you feel about maybe trying some trying some vocals out for it? And she's like, I'd love to do it. And as soon as she, she laid down the vocals, like the the backing vocals for one of the songs, and it was just like, this that's is it. it. I'm, this is it. I'm, 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 yeah, like, <laughs> I'm sacked. Why would I waste my <laughs> fucking time trying to do it when she just gets in there? Because, I mean, she's a trained vocalist. She's fucking amazing voice on her. And she's just laying down harmonies like bang, 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 rapid fire, perfect every fucking time. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing fucking 10 vocal <laughs> sessions to get a few fucking backing vocals on a thing where I, I can just get Amy in here for two hours and she'll knock the whole fucking album over and it'll sound 10 times better than what I'd do. So, And and that's the thing. And, that, and that's like with um, bringing Kaiser into the fold on, on Divine Council as well. So we've... We introduced Amy last time. We've used her again on this album because it's like, will it work? And, you know, we sort of spoke when we were doing the the Watcher of All EP about bringing Kaiser in on vocals, like, as well. Because for those of you who don't know, like, Kaiser's, Kaiser's filled in live for me quite a few times over the years. I definitely wanted to introduce that whole subject. So if you, if you will allow me, uh, there's many times that I've seen Psychroptic and you're not there. there. It's almost like a, a, I just asked you before we recorded this, I was like, you're going out on tour with Folia. Are you going to be there? Because I didn't know yeah. the answer. <laughs> and yeah, it, and yeah. it is very Sorry. complicated for people from Australia to tour and being, a, a you know, you have family. Uh, it's long because you typically end up, and if people don't know this, this is basically what happens is you, you leave Australia and then you go tour the States and then you go tour Europe right after because it's just way yeah. easier to organize it that way. And it's really hard to get six to eight weeks off away from your family and everything. Yeah. I mean, some, some of the, the runs we've done, like, and that, that's what we did. I think when we did that festival run in Europe with you guys, I think we'd done like seven weeks in the States then we flew straight to Europe. I think we had like 10 or 12 days off waiting for the run with you guys to, to start. And that was about another three weeks on top of that. So before you know it, you've been away from home for two months, sometimes more. And it's just like, I got two two young kids and I got a business to run, wife. And sometimes it just does not work out that I can, I can be away for that sort of amount of time. So it's been great, and, and yet again, it's it's such a good thing with playing with Joe and Dave because they're so fucking understanding of it. Like, there's been a few conversations where I've said, if my situation is getting too difficult for the band, I'll step down because, you know, to me, Psychroptic's bigger than my part in it. You know, I love the band. I love what we do and it's I don't ever want to be the one to hold the band back. And the guys have said to me, look, fuck it, we'll make it work. If we use filling guys, blah, 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 whatever, we'll do what we need to to make it work. You're sticking around till the end. I'm like, fuck yeah, you know, so many bands probably wouldn't 
be so understanding with with the situation with i i don't think many would but i think that you really have carved your own identity character it's very important to the sound of the band now yeah i think and i i think so too and i think that's that's part of it but obviously with i mean Todd, our, our current bass player, is a great guy as well. But I think with with obviously me, Dave, and Joe, we've played together for so long, and even before that, you know, we were good friends for quite some time as well. So it's kind of like there's such a friendship and sort of brotherhood there that I think is more important than anything else. Which it's, I mean, it's it's just awesome. But then, so back to the to the thing with Kaiser, like with him him going out filling in for me on tours and stuff he's done multiple tours he he, he did the voivod he run. he's gone to europe with them he, I, he i've seen him with psychroptic a few times he's probably done about three maybe four tours in my stead and and then a lot of the times we've hired him to work for us either coming out to europe doing merch exactly. or driving for us in dates a, a part of the family he is and he's a a close personal friend of mine as well. And he just, he slots in perfectly. You know, we, we all get along. We're great. He loves hanging out with us. We love having him out with us. And it was kind of like one of those things that, you know what, let's, let's just put him in on the albums. I, I still wrote everything as normal. I worked out where his parts were, wrote all his parts and everything and put it all together. But it was just kind of like, I'm not going to be able to do all the tours. Like we know that from from the way things have gone in the past. It, it just doesn't work. And it's like we want to be able to – we don't want to essentially have like an A team and a B team, if you know what I mean. Like, Absolutely. There is a band out there, and people that are listening to this will figure this out, but I'm not going to name them. There was a time when you would show up to that band show and you wouldn't know which version of the band you were getting. And And, and – they would never advertise it. Now it's different with that band, and I'm not going to say anything, but people will figure out what I'm talking about. Uh, you didn't want that, basically. No, we, and we and we we didn't want that. We wanted to we wanted it to be like a proper lineup thing. So, and that's why we were like, you know what, Kaiser's going to be the guy moving forward that will keep filling in for me when I need it. And so it's like, let's just put him on on the albums. Let's make him a member of the band. Who knows, maybe one day we might do it where we're both actually doing the dual vocal thing live. That Who knows? It would be sick. It'd be kind of, me and Kaiser, we spoke about it actually a little while ago and we we're like, it'd be so fucking obnoxiously ridiculous, but it would be cool <laughs> to do, you know. But but it, it's kind of like at least, you know, yeah, it's no matter which of us do it, you, you're getting the experience, you know, you're getting like, you know, four members of Psychroptic. You know, you're not getting three members and a and a session guy. So that was kind of the idea behind that. And we just we found when we actually started putting mine and Kaiser's voices together in the studio that our voices are very different, but we tend to sing to a similar pitch. So our voices actually blend together really fucking well. So like trying to trying to jump them about and, you know, doing the bits where, you know, we're, we're trading out between me and him and then we're both singing at the same time. There's no awkwardness 
to the sound, it's it still sounds very smooth and it, we can still make it flow very well. So once we did it on the EP, we were kind of like, yeah, well, fuck this. This works better than we actually thought it would. So when it came to the album, I was like, do you want to do the album, Kaiser? Do you want to just, just make this official? You just sing on the albums with us. I think it's so damn cool. I, I, I remember seeing it happen, the announce, and I was like, this is so damn cool. This is this is a conversation I want to have. I was, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's been confusing. Like I suppose to some fans looking in and and seeing the announcement, they'd probably be like, "Why the fuck have they done that? What's what's the thing there?" And you know, I think it makes perfectly good sense when it's you know a conversation like this and talking about it, it's kind of like, yeah, it does make a lot of sense, you know, and. And we're also at the point in our career where we're just kind of like, you know, we're over 20 years deep with Psychroptic and it's like, we'll just do what the fuck we want anyway, you know. If if we want to, you know, for album, what is it, album number eight, I think, this one, it's like if we want to add a second vocalist in, fuck it, we will. <laughs> It's our band. We'll do what we want. <laughs> so. Obviously, if and people are listening, they don't know who Jason is. He's also the vocalist of Origin. He used to be the vocalist of Skinless for a little moment. Um, he's a busy dude. He is a road dog. He loves to be on tour, which is how we ended up replacing you a bunch yeah. of times and then working for you because it's, it's basically what he was doing before the pandemic. You can, you can go and check out the episode with Jason I did when he was singing for oh, Psychoptic wow. when they came through Montreal <laughs> <laughs> with Voivod before the pandemic. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think uh, I'm excited for the future of it to see a tour where you guys are both on stage for a moment, even if it's for a second. I think it will happen. We had it uh, was, was on a Canadian run. When was that? Fuck, it would have been like five years ago. We, I can't even remember. It's probably devastation sure. on the nation. It makes sense to me because I think he was there. He was doing he was doing merch or something for devastation. Or... No, he was he was he was on ingest. He was singing for ingested. That's right because he sings oh, for everyone. <laughs> exactly. Someone needs a singer. They called they called Kaiser up. But no, we we did a, a two week run through Canada, and we ended up playing. Is it? Fuck, what's the festival called? Modified Ghost? Yeah, so we were playing there and actually Kaiser was driving another band on that run. He was driving for Seeker or something, I think. And anyway, long story short, Kaiser had sung for me before, so we knew a bunch of the songs. And when we were playing, I think Observant came on and fucking Kaiser comes running out onto the stage. There was a mic planted because it was the last show of the Canadian run. There was a mic planted there and Kaiser grabbed that. Next thing, I didn't even know, but we were doing Observant together and, and it was great fun. So it's bound to happen again. I like that very much. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer 
and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxenhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I've been doing a whole segment about mental health. I think it's important. Uh, how do you cope with when you're not feeling well, when days are dark? Where do you go? What tactics do you use to make yourself, bring yourself out of the dumps? Well, I, I mean, I, I used to have, in my younger days, I did used to have quite quite pro, uh, serious problems with anxiety and stuff. Um, of later part of my life, obviously, cutting back on drinking and substances and assorted helped a lot with that but i'm a real sort of you know get working out sort of guy you know if i've had a really shitty day and stressful shit's getting dark whatever you know go for a run lift some weights go kick a fucking soccer ball with my son or something like that so i think i think getting physical is the way to to deal with it personally i think what do you do when one of your friends is not feeling well? Um, you, you feel like they're spiraling out. What, what is your move there? What is your tactic? What, 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 what is your secret way to bring them out of it? I think, I mean, and you said, obviously, you've been on the road a lot too. I mean, people do have their dark days on tour. I mean, you're, you're trapped in, in a van for you know long periods of time on your own to spend too many hours with your thoughts and stuff. I think, like, just basically getting someone out of whatever the you know, the environment they're in, you know, if, if you can tell someone's in a backstage room or whatever, and they're, they're probably thinking of, you know, getting homesick or, or whatever, you know, and, and shit's getting dark for them. It's just sweeping them up and taking them out of that situation, I think. And trying to do something positive, go for a walk, go find somewhere to have a coffee that's maybe got some nice surrounds or something like that. I mean, it's, I think a lot of the time it's the simple things. I mean, it's not necessarily, I mean, if, if people want to talk about what's going on, I think you just need to be there to listen to them. Often with men, as you'd know, they don't like to talk about what's going on, you know, and, and sometimes it's just go and have a pleasant conversation and, and just change the environment that they're in, I think, sometimes is enough to, to get people back into a good place. Just being there. Just, I, I think that's what resonating the most there. People just, I think, a lot of the time just need to know they're not alone, you know. It doesn't matter if you're listening to their problems or you're just having a friendly chat with them. Just, I think sometimes when people are going through tough mental times, it's, it's, the, it's that, uh, what do you call it, that, you know, that sort of self-isolation. I think that's what the what the problem can be for a lot of people too you know they don't want to talk to anyone they don't want to hang out with people they just want to sit in the corner by themselves and just fucking think 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 yeah because they're thinking they're thinking they're they're thinking their way down though which is the problem exactly yeah yeah because i mean most of the time people aren't going to bring themselves back to a positive space i don't think without outside intervention that's good it's it's, it's interesting you talk about being on tour and that happening because a lot of people think like and aspiring musicians and i was there i just want to get on tour i'll be happy when x thing mm. you know what i mean and then yeah. there are still dark days on tour despite the fact of yeah. you know it's exactly what we wanted to do our whole lives yeah and i actually think probably you know a lot of the time even more so on tour you know because 
Yeah, often you you're away from home for months at a time. You're away from family, loved ones. You like I say, you you have so. I mean, how many fucking days in a week do you have where you might have eight hours of sitting in a van, crushed up? You've got you've had fuck all sleep, which doesn't help the situation at all, you know. And I mean, touring in Australia, well, you've done it before, you know, the fucking... I, I, I did it with, with Dave Haley, so it was it was A1, just just super perfect from A to Z, and I, I'm not just saying that it was super easy and super fun. Cheers to Dave Haley for that. Direct touring, yeah. Well, see, with, with us, we used to always try to book the cheapest flights and everything possible, so a lot of the time, to actually make a tour profitable, we'd be, like, on 6 a.m. flights every day, you might get out of a venue and get to bed at like 2.30 and then you're up to go get on a flight. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to bed. That's not what Cryptopsy does. We have this yeah. evil voice in the back of our head that says, why yeah. am I going to go lie down for four hours when I could stay awake for four hours? Yeah, I can <laughs> hang out with my friends. <laughs> but like it, it builds on, you know, that Horrible. whole just living on naps for a <laughs> fucking couple of weeks, you know, and, and before you know it, you're, your mental state can be spiraling, you know, to some pretty bad places. And it's it's simple things like you haven't eaten any decent food for fucking a week or two. You've slept the equivalent of one night's worth of hours, but over the course of a week, you know, and that's not good for anyone. And it's a lot of it, I think, with the, the mental health on tour, a lot of it's just the situational thing. It's, you know... It's just you're so fucking tired and worn out and exhausted and there's no – you can't, especially in this day and age with everyone's got fucking iPhones in front of you while you're playing and stuff, you can't do a shit show. Like no matter how bad you feel, you might be fucking dead tired, no energy, exhausted, feel like shit, but you've got to get up there and give 100% every night on stage. And man, that can be fucking hard. It can be, I, I find it can be torturous leading up to it. To the show or to the tour? To the, to the show, you know, like when you're just that exhausted and that fucked and feel that crappy and you know you've got to get up on stage and give, give 100%. It can be, uh, it's probably not so much stage fright, but it's just kind of like, oh my God, this is going to be. It's just going to be fucking hard, you know. <laughs> Scrape the bottom of the barrel for the energy. Exactly. Which is which is why you do many tours sober. Is that another reason yeah. why? So so that in instances like that, there's not the hangover on top yep. of the exhaustion. Yeah, exactly. And that's and I I found since since I have started, you know, doing doing tours where it's it's not even. It's not just don't get drunk at all. It's like don't have a single drink at all, which I'm where, Cause, where cause I'm we, a, we have we, we have we have done tours together where that wasn't the case, and we did do seventy thousand tons together when that was most definitely not the case there. That was different. That was a very <laughs> different situation. Yeah, seventy thousand tons. My God, that was just a fucking maniac fest you guys weren't even meant to be on that to start with were you no no we were Didn't like a last minute ad minute? yeah yeah because yeah. i remember i ran into i think it was Flo. i saw first on the he was sitting at a bar with surprise know, it might have been like what's that it said surprise i was sitting in a bar oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can't remember who he was sitting with but 
I, I spotted him and I'm like, Flo, what the fuck are you doing here? And he's like, yeah, we got added last minute. Basically, it was a week like, before or something. Yeah. I love those. I like, you walk, my, my work loves those when I walk in, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I, see, I, I work for myself now. So I'm the boss. So I've just got to explain to clients. And it's kind of like, ah, fuck them. It doesn't really matter. But when when I used to tour a fucking lot back in the early days, I was employed and I'd get back from like a European tour. And this was before, you know, smartphones and yeah. internet. <laughs> internet calling was, you know, it wasn't easy to keep in touch with people back home. It was crazy. And and a tour would get booked in the middle of, like, say, European tour. There'd be a tour booked for the states. So we'd we'd have like a month. We'd know about it, which was okay. But my boss, I'd get I'd get home, and I'm like, yeah. By the way, I'm going on tour in the states. And he'd be like, when? I'm like. Tomorrow. Next week, yeah. <laughs> I'll be gone for seven weeks. And he'd be like, you fucking what? Like, yeah, you're not going. It's like, well. Well, it was nice working for you, mister. But uh... Yeah, it's like, well, I will be going and hopefully you might have a job for me when I get back in two months. <sighs> These young kids now, they don't know what we went through. Walking. I remember with my wife, I was, I'm with the same. I've been with Jess forever. Walking would just change in my pocket in Europe, just just to put like coins into like a payphone and say, "Hey, hello, I love you," and it was gone. You know, like yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, it. it was but like I walked for twenty twenty forty yeah. minutes just just to put those coins and just to say that you know that was <laughs> yeah. that that was the amount of coins I had. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I love beer collabs. I love making collabs. I like making collabs for Vox and Hops. I like to do it for Cryptopsy. I've made teas. I've made coffees. I've made coffee stouts. Uh, if you could make a collab for Psychroptic, what would it be? Something that really speaks for you. For me, it's beer. What would be for you? We did a nice red wine one, actually, not so long ago. A friend of ours who runs a venue up in Sydney, a really close friend, um, Trad, he runs a venue called Crowbar and... Hell yes, I played there. You have played there. Yeah, so, yeah, him and, him and his wife own, own that venue and obviously during the pandemic, the venue shut down. So they opened up a company called Built to Spill, which was, they'd do wine collabs between like a band and bands and brands and vineyards. So they were essentially the the middle person, I guess. And they just approached us about it and said, would you be interested in doing it? We're like, fuck yeah, why not? It would be cool as. And then we were talking about labels and artwork and stuff like that. I do a lot of um, digital art, so digital painting. So I was like, you know what? Can I do the label for it? That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, so I I had the pleasure of... uh, doing the artwork for the label as well, which was really cool and came out great. It was a really nice red wine. I've still got two bottles of it at home, actually, which just waiting for that uh, special occasion. Jason, one last question. Uh, probably doesn't happen to you very often because you're busy and, and you know you, you seem to be more controlled than back when we toured together in Somerset or hypothetically. 70,000 that that time that I wasn't supposed to be there, but I was there. But every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Mm, sleep. Sleep. I'm, I'm one of those guys that when I'm hungover, fuck, I, I can't eat. So food's out. Um, 
I used to smoke a million cigarettes when I was hungover. I quit smoking though, so I uh, I can't do that anymore. So basically, you, I haven't really been hungover for quite some time. So, but I, I was always just a sleep guy, you know, sleep it off and be done with it. I like that. I have a hard time sleeping when I'm hungover, to be honest. So, so. Um... I'd like to know your your deep secrets. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, thank you so, so much for hanging out with me, talking about your life, music, a little bit about craft beer, talking a lot about uh, Psychroptic and Divine Council. It came out August 5th, everyone. EVP, go check it out. It's a banger. Uh, they, they snuck in an extra vocalist. Come on, what more do you want? What more do you want? It's a full, full Psychroptic package. Jason, you rule, and I cannot wait to see you when you come through here in Montreal. We're going to have a good time. Massive cheers to you. We will. Legend. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. This was an awesome conversation. Long overdue. As I mentioned, Jason almost inspired me, gave me the confidence, really, that I could conduct interviews back when I was starting out just about four years ago now. So massive, massive props to Jason for hanging out with me finally and for inspiring me all those years ago. Uh, he didn't even know it, and I love that. Uh, the new Psychroptic is a killer record. I can't love it enough. You should absolutely go check it out. If you have not listened to it as of yet, do it. Come on. What more do you want? Killer riffs, dual vocals. It's just, it's incredible. Check it out. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. When you do that, you shall receive two emails a month that contain all of the details of everything that has been happening recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped recently. You'll get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. You will also get to hear about any projects that I have in the works such as the very top secret four-year anniversary of the podcast before I announce them to the public. And you'll get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. There is just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hospital podcast. I don't want you to miss a single thing, so please sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hospital podcast is brought to you by Sound, Telemedia, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I will be back next week on Tuesday with another episode, but in until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The, the Corner of Grey Street.